scripture comes from Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. Could come up on the screen for you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Morning. How's everybody today? My name is Austin. I'm on staff here at the church. Uh, and I'm excited to, to be with you here this morning. Happy New Year to folks I didn't see last week. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. So, I don't know how your holidays were, but we had a bunch of people at our house uh, for I don't know how many days in a row. It felt like a lot, uh, but it was a, a good time. Um, uh, Sarah's family came in from Chapel Hill in Charlottesville uh, right before Christmas, and, and it was really nice. We had a good time together. There wasn't really any family drama, which is really nice. Uh, and there were a bunch of kids running all through our house. Uh, my nieces spoiled my dog, uh, feeding her all sorts of treats that she never gets. Uh, and just a good time uh, being together. And thinking back on it, there was, there was a kind of a funny, awkward moment a conversation between uh, Silas, my 12-year-old son, and his aunt, uh, Sarah's, my wife's sister. Uh, somehow, we got discussing um, kind of new slang words that came up, uh, like things that middle schoolers, high schoolers, teenagers, words they use that we don't use anymore. And if you want to feel old, you should have yourself a conversation like this. And I, it, it was centered around the word drip and what it means in a middle school context, and I'm not going to explain it because I already feel old enough, and I don't really want to feel any older than I already am. And so this led to my sister-in-law attempting to use this word in context and more words, and it was hilarious, and it was awkward for everyone, and she just kept going, and it wouldn't stop. Uh, And so if you want to feel old, uh, you should do what my sister-in-law did. I can distinctly remember having the same conversation with my mom a long time ago about, oh, you should use this word and not that word, and no, people don't talk like that anymore, mom, and now uh, roles have reversed. So. She was out of context. She's, she's not in middle school. She hasn't been in middle school for a very long time, uh, and so it was awkward, and it was funny, and we all laughed, uh, but she didn't belong. The, the way she was, it was obvious the way she was using that language, the way she was talking, is very clear, she didn't belong in that context, in that situation. So I thought about that, and then I thought about one of the amazing things about Jesus is that he entered our world, and he spoke to people about what God's kingdom was like, and he used language they would understand. But at no moment did Jesus feel out of context. At no moment did Jesus feel like, oh, you don't belong here. You're using words, and and you understand what they mean, but you just feel stilted and awkward. Jesus spoke to people in a language they understood, and it came natural to him. 
He spoke in everyday speech. He didn't speak in like King James words with these and thous. He didn't speak some fancy form of Aramaic or Greek or Hebrew. He spoke the, uh, the language of grocery lists and honey-do lists and, uh, hey, come down, it's time for dinner. He spoke in normal, everyday language. Jesus spoke that way. He connected with us. He entered our context. He entered the context of the world, and he was able to connect with people way better than my sister-in-law could to my son. Jesus spoke to ordinary, everyday people, and he used ordinary, everyday language and everyday objects as these illustrations. Jesus used terms, he used word pictures, he used metaphors, he used analogies that people of that day would understand. He spoke to people who lived in an agrarian society, and so he explained God's kingdom some terms they would understand. He spoke to farmers. So he didn't use military or legal terms. He, he talked about farming. He talked about spreading seed, building barns, uh, birds, flowers, other things that his listeners saw and experienced every day. Jesus, who is so much higher than us, so much more than we are, who is the Son of God, who Philippians 2 tells us emptied himself to condescend to our level, who is so much more than we could ever imagine, that we could even wrap our heads around. This Jesus loves us so much, he's willing to speak in a way that we would understand. He uses everyday, ordinary things to speak to everyday, ordinary people. In our passage this morning, Jesus uses maybe the most basic, the most ordinary to describe what we, his followers, are supposed to be like. Salt is everywhere. It's been used in every culture in kind of the same sort of way over and over and over again. And obviously, light is also something that everyone would understand, and I think people even back then would maybe have a, a deeper appreciation for because they couldn't just flip the lights on when it got dark outside. They understood what light was. They understood what it was to see a city on a hill that is just lit up, lighting up the night sky. So Jesus uses this ordinary to challenge and encourage and teach ordinary people like us. And I find that really good news. Jesus doesn't go to kind of the highfalutin folks. He doesn't look for the best and the brightest. He's just talking to regular people, regular people like you and like me. And so Jesus speaks to them, and he says in his famous passage in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, we are the salt of the earth. And salt was, and it is uh, pervasive, used in pretty much everything to this day. In Jesus' time, salt was used as a preservative since they had no refrigeration, and it also used it then, as it is now, uh, something to add flavor to. I can remember we... We like making breakfast for dinner at our house, and one day we were making waffles, which is a big, um, a big thing we do as Calhouns, and, and I was mixing up the waffles, and we're eating them, and they were okay. Like, like Sarah and I are looking at each other, and I'm like, something's missing. And it was just a teaspoon of salt. Totally passed it, totally forgot about it. Made all the difference in the world in this giant batch of waffles that we're eating. And so we, I mean, they were fine. You put enough syrup on anything, it tastes good. Uh, but that salt made a gigantic difference. So Jesus uses this common, this everyday thing, this salt, 
to give us our mission as his followers, as his church. We are the salt of the earth. We are called by Jesus to engage and enrich the world around us. When salt was used as a preservative, it was slathered on a piece of meat. It wasn't just a a little tiny bit of salt. It was a lot, covering every square inch of that which it was trying to preserve. So when Jesus says we are the salt of the earth, that's what he has in mind. We're to fully engage our world, be fully involved, fully invested. Engaging means that we cover our world. Like salt covers a piece of meat, it's preserving. So what's that look like to engage our world? It means that we need to be involved with what's happening around us. We need to be paying attention to what's going on in our our neighborhood, our community, our city, our world. We need to be aware and active in what is happening in, in our world today. We need to be present in our community. Do life with our neighbors. God has put us where we are on purpose so that we can engage the world around us for his gospel, so we can be salt of the earth right where we are. And this can happen in a thousand different ways. You could coach youth sports. You could join the PTA. You could attend neighborhood meetings. You could just get to know your neighbors, throw block parties, volunteer with local nonprofits, join a running club. If you don't like running, join a book club. Anyway, to be involved in your community. We are to engage our world. And it's tempting, and Christians have struggled with this for years, it's tempting to create kind of a Christian subculture around these things. They, they mimic what's going on in the rest of the world, but we just put a, a Christian spin on it. And it supplies the same activities or benefits that other organizations have, but it's just people who, who have the same values. There's less risk that way. And, and these are fine by themselves, whether it be a sports league or a school or, or some type of club. But if that's all you're a part of, you miss out on what God is doing in the world around you. And it becomes rather insular. And, and you start to, to kind of have this us versus them mentality. And you miss out on what God has for you around you. You miss out on this invitation to join him in loving our neighbor and making a difference in the world. So none of these things are bad or sinful, but they take us away or can take us away from our call to be salt of the earth. The call to be salt of the earth means that we look for opportunities to be present in the world, to engage the world around us. So following Jesus, being the salt of the earth, should lead us to be actively engaged in the world around us. But salt doesn't just preserve. Salt adds, enhances flavor. We're called to engage the world around us, but we're also called to enrich it for Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we are graciously invited to join him in helping others realize his kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus ushered in through his life, death, and resurrection. We get to live like it's the reality that it is now, knowing that one day it'll be full reality. This means that we're engaged in the world, but we're also at work in the world to make it better, to enrich it, to make it a little bit more like the world that God created. The world's broken. Sin has marred it, and it's not operating the way it is 
created to operate. And we know this. We know our world's broken. We know the hurts and the sorrows in our own life. We see the sin in our lives and in the world around us. We're a world of scraped knees and broken hearts, of unfulfilled dreams and broken promises. The world's not working the way it was made to work. And God saw the mess that we made through our disobedience and hard-heartedness, and he did something about it. He loved us too much just to leave us, to wash his hands of us, to walk away, and let us face the consequences of our sin and our actions on our own. He sent his son Jesus to live the life God called us to. In Jesus, we see a picture of what we were supposed to be like, how we were supposed to be with God. And then Jesus gives his life for us, dying and rising from the dead to win us forgiveness and rescue us, bring us into his family, adopt us back into where we are always meant to be. And now we get to join Jesus in making the world begin to look like he always created to look. And one day, he promises us he will come again and restore the world how it's always meant to be. And we will be with him and he will be with us forever and for always. We are the salt of the earth. And our call is to enrich the world around us, working to show others these glimpses of this kingdom of God and who this Jesus is. Our calling as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is to be present to be engaged in the world around us, and to work for the good, for God's good in the world around us. Our presence reminds people who our God is and our work to bring about his good. We aren't to be just present, we're to work and bring about good. We're to add flavor to the world around us. Our actions, our work in joining Jesus help people See the kingdom of God. We are the salt of the earth. We're supposed to add flavor to our neighborhoods, to our city. So what does this look like? How do we enrich our world so that it looks more like God's kingdom? Where are people hurting? Who's been forgotten or left out by our culture? And what does it look like to serve those people? To show them the love of Jesus. To remind them that God has not forgotten about them. God has not left them out. How can you use the talents and abilities that God has given you to bless those around you? There's an epidemic of loneliness in our world. We're more connected than we've ever been, and yet research suggests that we are lonelier than we've ever been and more isolated than we've ever been. How can you spend your time building connections, building relationships with some of the most lonely in our community, those who, who have special needs, those who are in nursing homes and feel forgotten about, uh, people on your street that are shut-ins, those who you know are struggling because family is far away or family is estranged. What does it look like to engage them and to love them? The city of Roanoke has seen an increase in gun violence over the past few years, and it's heartbreaking, and frankly, it's, it's frightening. But our God is big and strong, and, and we can take courage in him. So how can you get involved and bring about the peace of God, even if it's just in one relationship? Maybe it's mentoring some teenagers or reading each week at a local elementary school. 
volunteering for after-school programs to invest in the lives of young people who are struggling. Maybe it's getting involved in a local task force that's been working hard on these issues and coming up with creative ways to engage our community and help people live healthy, safe lives. The opioid epidemic has wreaked havoc on our community, destroyed countless lives, countless families. Where might God be calling you to make a difference for him in this area? There's a local nonprofit called House of Bread that teaches formerly incarcerated women, most of these women incarcerated because of drug issues, teaches them kitchen skills so that they can get a job and begin to restore their lives. They can be save, surf, surf, save, one of those. Uh, uh, they can get a certificate, and then they can be a, get a serve, safe management certificate, right? And that makes them more employable. And they're also reminded that God loves them in the midst of this. So maybe it's volunteering to be a mentor and walk alongside one of these women, or, or it's volunteering to bake in the kitchen and help support these women. And these are obviously some of the bigger issues that face our city today. And it may be that God is calling you to engage the world around you in a, a different way, helping the homeless, caring for orphans and widows, reaching out to a neighbor who doesn't have any connections anymore with, with the world around her. The world around us is broken, but Jesus has done something about it and is doing something about it. And he invites us to join him in enriching the world that he has placed us in. Which is pretty amazing if you think about it, because I think I'd be the last person I'd invite to do that sort of thing. Me, who stumbles over my own feet, who messes up over and over again. Jesus loves me enough to invite me along and let me take a chance for him to share his gospel, to share his love. We are the salt of the world. We are called to engage and enrich the world around us. Jesus tells us that we are salt, but then immediately shifts to what happens if we who are salt aren't acting like it? What happens if salt loses its saltiness? Well, it cannot preserve. It cannot add flavor anymore. It's not good for anything. It's easy to get caught up in what is going on in the world around us and, and lose out on what God is doing. If we don't look any different, if we don't act any different than others in our community, then we're not really sharing the gospel anymore. We aren't showing the love of Jesus. We're just following the crowd. If we look just like everyone else and we failed to be the salt of the earth that Jesus calls us to. If salt loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything anymore. If we who engage and enrich the world forget why we are doing what we are doing, then we miss out on an opportunity to make a difference for God in our neighborhood. We aren't doing these things to feel good about ourselves. We aren't doing these things because we are such amazing, great people. We aren't doing these things because of our political beliefs or even because we think it's the right thing to do. We engage the world because God has loved us and rescued us. So we want to share that love with others, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, anyone else we come into contact with. We are the salt of the earth. Have you ever seen an airplane or been on an airplane at night? And, you know, if you look out the windows, there isn't a lot to see unless you were flying over a major uh, kind of metropolitan area, right? We used to live right around Boston, and every once in a while we'd get to fly home. And when we fly at night, you knew you were coming close to Boston because it just lit up the sky. 
Right? It wasn't just dark. It wasn't just looking off the moonlight, reflecting off clouds anymore. It was this big city with lights everywhere. You can't miss it. You can see it from way off in the distance. The city lights up the night. There is so much light that it overcomes the darkness. And so this is the next word picture that Jesus gives us when he calls us the light of the world. We're to be lit up like a city on a hill at night. There's no hiding it. We're to bring the light of God to wherever we are and whatever we are doing. We're the light of the world. We're called to let our light shine in the dark world around us. And again, we who are a mess, who are impatient, who lose our temper, who mess up sometimes on purpose, we who fail, who lack courage, who are timid and full of doubt, Jesus calls us the light of the world. That's what Jesus calls us. That's what we are. The call to be the light of the world means that Jesus is calling us into the world, which is dark, and shine his truth, his love, his justice, his mercy, wherever he's put us in it. This means that, that again, we're supposed to be in our world and bring light to that which is dark. We're to lovingly and prophetically speak and live out truth to a world that so often drifts from it and many times outright rejects it. We're the light of the world. We're to shine the light of Jesus in a broken and dark world. And that light, like a city on a hill, like a light in a home, will light up everything it touches. So what's it mean to let our light shine that's rather abstract? But Jesus tells us in verse 16, letting our light shine means that we do good works. We do good deeds. When we love our neighbor, when we forgive, when we show grace, we are showing God's light. When we advocate for those who are left out and lonely to receive better care, when we mentor the young kids on your street who has a mess of a home life, we forgive our coworker who messed up and hurt us. When we serve our neighbor by raking her leaves or shoveling her walk, all these good works shine in our world around us. We let our light shine. We do these good works because we are deeply loved by the creator of the universe. These good works are in response to God's love in our life. It's not a way to earn his favor, not a way to earn his love. There will not be a moment where we do enough of these, and he finally he says, finally, now we can be friends. God loves us and invites us to join him in his mission. He's given everything up for us, and now in response to his love, to his grace, to his work in our lives, we join him in how he's working in the world around us. Our good works, our good deeds, what we are doing in the world reflects who our God is to our coworkers, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family. These good works are not about us. They are about our God. We don't do them so people will look at us and think, oh man, you are amazing. You are great. Because we know the truth. We know we're a mess. We do them because our God is great. And he has done amazing things for us. Jesus says our good works will reflect on our God. They will bring God glory. People will see what we're doing and, and they will see our God in the midst of our works. Our good works show who our God is. Our good works preach the gospel to the community around us. It's not just words that we're saying. It's a life that we are living. What we are doing reflects 
who our God is. So when we let our light shine, when we bring the light of God, the hope of God in dark situations, we bring Him glory. We join Him in helping realize His kingdom and making the world as it was always meant to be. Our actions, our lives show who our Father is. Our good works may be one of the only pictures that someone gets of Jesus. So when we shine our light, when we do these good works, when we join God in what he's doing in the world around us, uh, we bring glory and honor and praise to him. So in 2024, where is God calling you to be salt and light in your world? Where can you engage and enrich this year? What passions and interests and talents has God given you, and how can you use those to bring God glory, to shine your light? It's beautiful. God's given us all different interests, different talents. And then he invites us to use those to bless and love others in his name. God has put you where he wants you, and that doesn't mean things are perfect. It doesn't mean things are even great. But God's put you where he wants you, so you can shine your light, so you can show people the love of God. He's put you next to your neighbor. Yes, even that neighbor. He's put you in the life of your coworkers. He's put you in the path of your friend on purpose. He's inviting you to join him in making a difference for his gospel in the lives of those he's put you around. One of the ways we've talked about this as a staff is we want to grow as a church in engaging the city of Roanoke church-wide. We want to be a presence in our neighborhood, in our city. We want to make a difference for this city, for Jesus. Not because we're a great group of people, but because our God is great. And we think that people should experience the love of Jesus just like they were always meant to. But we also want to see this happen in our, our small group ministry, where groups look for ways to serve with, with local nonprofits, local ministries, loving people as a community. And the beautiful thing is, is when you serve together as a community, it grows you closer together. And you get a beautiful, more beautiful picture of, of what it is to be the church, to be a community centered around Jesus. So we ask our groups to serve. But we also want to challenge you to serve individually. So it's not enough just to be a part of a church that serves or a group that serves, but where's God calling you to serve? Where is he inviting you to join him in what's going on in the world around us? Maybe it's loving a classmate or volunteering in a local ministry, engaging with a local nonprofit. God's inviting you this year to join him in what he's already doing and to experience the love and grace that he has for you in that moment and to share that love and grace with others. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. May we see Jesus this year at work ahead of us, at work with us, and at work in us as we join him in bringing his gospel to the world around us. Would you join me in prayer? Father, this feels like a big call to be salt of the earth, light of the world, and it can be overwhelming. Help us to remember that you've gone ahead of us. God, we are joining you and what you are inviting us to. And we pray for this next year that you would give us courage, you would give us creativity to live out how you have worked in our life. 
to live out where you are calling us, to help us love our neighbors, to help us let our light shine by the good works that, that show your glory, that celebrate you. God, we pray for as a church, God, that people would experience the love of Jesus through things that we do and through who we are in this neighborhood and in our city. God, we can't wait to hear the stories of life change that you bring about because we're following you in our call to be salt of the earth and light of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.